This is Today in Church History, a place where we're reminded that history is truly His story. History is the story of God and the demonstration of His glory in the theater of world events. I hope you enjoy listening to these episodes of Today in Church History. Their purpose is to ignite a passion for God's truth one historical event at a time. Today is Saturday, March 30th, 2019. But on this day in history, March 30th, 1533, Thomas Cranmer was consecrated as the Archbishop of Canterbury. Now, the consecration of Thomas Cranmer led, in large measure, to a speeding up of the Reformation in England, and to that we'll get to in a moment. We need to understand that controversy surrounded the English Reformation almost from the beginning, much of it centered around King Henry VIII. But reformers during the latter part of King Henry VIII's reign, and then, of course, the reign of Edward VI and also Elizabeth I, laid much groundwork for the success of the English Reformation. There was a gradual adoption of the Lutheran doctrine of justification by faith alone, an affirmation of only two sacraments, the accessibility to the Bible and English for all to read, the importance of the gospel being preached, along with the rejection of transubstantiation, purgatory, and prayers to the Virgin Mary and the saints, as well as the rejection of the Pope as the vicar of Christ on earth and the support of the clergy's right to marry. These were all positions that the English church ultimately adopted. By 1604, King James the first had inherited an English theology that had five basic points. Point number one said that the church has one canon of scripture. Point number two said that the church has two testaments, both the old and the new of the Bible. Point three said that the doctrine of the Bible is summed up in three creeds, the apostles, the Nicene, and the Athanasian. Number four, the church recognized four important ecumenical councils, the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Constantinople, the Council of Ephesus, and the Council of Chalcedon. And fifth, the church especially recognized the first five centuries of Christian history as the most pure of the church's existence. Now, there were many important men that contributed to the English Reformation. But let's begin back in the 1520s. There was a group of theological scholars who met at the University of Cambridge at what was referred to as the White Horse Inn Tavern. In the 1520s, these men discussed Lutheran doctrine that was being propagated in Germany, and therefore the gathering of this group adopted the nickname Little Germany. This was due to their adherence to Luther, the German's theology. Included were men such as Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley, William Tyndale, and Miles Coverdale, who both helped translate the Bible into English, as well as Thomas Cranmer, the man that we're highlighting on this podcast of Today in Church History. Now, initially, Thomas Cranmer was appointed by King Henry VIII to help him draft a biblical and political argument, allowing his marriage to Catherine of Aragon to be annulled. On March 30, 1533, Cranmer was consecrated Archbishop of Canterbury. This was a post that led him to serve in an advisory role to the king. He advised the king on much more than just his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. Now, it took patience on the part of Cranmer to convince Henry on reforming the church, because, let's face it, King Henry VIII was essentially a Roman Catholic. His issue was that he did not want to submit to the Pope, but he essentially held to almost all of the doctrines of medieval Roman Catholicism. As a matter of fact, Henry VIII even wrote a defense of the seven sacraments of the church. This earned him a reward from Pope Leo X, a title, namely, Defender of the Faith. But while King Henry waffled a little bit in terms of his support of the Protestant cause, time was on the side of Cranmer. King Henry VIII eventually died in 1546, leaving his nine-year-old son, Edward VI, to ascend the throne. Edward's nickname was Josiah due to his young age. 
But King Henry VIII had left young Edward in the care of Protestant noblemen. And here's where we need to pay special attention. Cranmer was smart enough, along with these other Protestant-minded men, to take advantage of the situation. And this is where the reform in England began to pick up more speedily. Since Henry had allowed the closing of monasteries before he died, and since he had torn down shrines, and since he had stopped the practice of venerating relics, though the Mass was still firmly practiced in the Church of England, much of Roman tradition was dying out. Cranmer and his men moved quickly, establishing English over Latin as the language used in worship. They also published the Book of Homilies, which emphasized justification by faith alone as well as the authority of the Bible. They distributed the Book of Homilies to the parish churches. In 1549, the Book of Common Prayer was written, and perhaps more important than all of these events, a confession of faith was drafted entitled The Articles of Religion. This was written in 1550. All of this eventually led to a strong Lutheran influence regarding the gospel, as well as even a Reformed and Calvinistic flavor to the English Reformation. But the death of Edward VI brought in Henry's oldest daughter to ascend the throne. Her name was Mary Tudor. Mary was a committed Roman Catholic and did everything she could possibly do in her power to reverse the English Reformation. She acquired the nickname Bloody Mary due to her readoption of heresy laws enacted against Protestants. As a result, she executed some 300 Protestants, including Thomas Cranmer. Another 800 or so Protestants fled England to Protestant strongholds. Since Mary died without an heir, another daughter of King Henry VIII ascended the throne. Her name was Elizabeth I. She led a recovery of the English Reformation with many Protestant exiles returning to England. But some felt the reform was not happening as quickly as they wanted. These people were known as the Puritans. They desired more reform in the national church. Nevertheless, in 1571, a group of clergy revised the original Articles of Religion that was written during Edward's reign, reducing them to 39. The 39 Articles of Religion affirmed many Protestant beliefs. They returned to the Fathers in terms of their view of the Trinity, matters of original sin, justification by faith alone. They even became Calvinistic regarding the sacraments. After Elizabeth I came King James I, who published the authorized version of Scripture in 1611. A lot had happened since the consecration of Cranmer as Archbishop of Canterbury. England had an official English Bible, they had the Book of Common Prayer, and they had the 39 Articles as a Confession of Faith. Now, of course, the Puritans, and I think rightly so, desired more biblical reform. This led many of them to come to America to expedite reforms that they didn't see were moving fast enough within the English church. The lesson to take from the consecration of Thomas Cranmer as the Archbishop of Canterbury is really threefold. Number one, we learn from this that reform is slow. Years of bad theology can take years to reverse. But God is sovereign. He operates according to his timetable, and we must trust that he is providentially in control of all human events in history, not just over the church, but also over the political world. Number two, we ought to readily acknowledge the ways that God used men like Thomas Cranmer. Thomas Cranmer had many flaws. He appeared inconsistent at times and even waffled toward the end of his life. But he is, at the end of the day, considered a Reformation martyr. The Lord used him mightily in his efforts to reform the church. Number three, reform can be overturned and reversed quickly. 
as we saw with Mary when she took over for Edward. The Lord uses faithful men and women of conviction, men and women who are willing to sacrifice reputation, resources, and popularity, but never their convictions. We are to be like these men and women. We are to be like Thomas Cranmer. We are to be like the other reformers in the English Reformation. We are to do this as God's people during times of great revival and reform, as well as during times of biblical famine and apostasy. We are to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. History is truly his story. It's the story of God and the demonstration of his glory in the theater of world events. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Today in Church History. If you would like to access more episodes of Today in Church History, just search for us on Apple iTunes. You can also visit my website, www.heartofflame.org, and see the listing of various episodes there. Feel free to follow me on Facebook and Twitter for updates regarding more podcasts and articles being written. Until next time, I'm your host, Andrew Smith.